0: Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket, a cricket podcast that, much like One Day International Cricket, just refuses to die out. I'm your host, Benny, and thank you for tuning in. This week, my fellow host, Mayank, got to chat with Prakash Wakankar, broadcaster for BBC TMS, ABC, and AIR. Prakash and Mayank share their thoughts on the raging debate over the future of cricket as we know it, As they discuss the sustainability of specialist teams for multiple formats, the resulting impact on quality of the cricket itself, the future of ODIs, feasibility of a franchise-based test league, and much, much more. Stay tuned for a fascinating discussion on the game between two passionate cricket fans.
1: Well, Prakash, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today?
2: Very good, thank you, and thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely our pleasure, and you're welcome to The Last Wicket. Uh, we're excited to talk today about just the amount of cricket that international teams are playing, um, and with recent announcements that we've seen from Ben Stokes, Trent Bold, um, just where the future of cricket is headed. So let me start with um, a stat. Uh, in 1991, England played nine tests and eight ODIs in 2021. They've played 15 tests, 9 ODIs, and 17 T20s. India have had, you know, in the last 18 months, a couple of occasions where they've had two 11s playing, one getting ready for a test match or playing a test match, the other playing um, a one-off one-day series or test series. So while it may not be true for women's cricket or for associate teams, but the top four to six teams definitely are playing a lot of cricket. Um, it I, I don't think it's sustainable, but I wanted to get your thoughts. Do you think this is something that can be done? And maybe should we just get used to second 11s playing all the time?
2: Well, you know, like uh, I, I've always maintained Mayank, that uh, cricket in many ways is a, is a sort of a it mirrors life in many, many ways. Um, and by life, I'm taking a very broad perspective, of course, on it. Things do move at a certain pace. Sometimes you have a a sudden flurry of activity in life. And sometimes things are very, very slow. Uh, And if you equate that to what's happening in cricket right now, I think it's a a time of some tectonic plates in cricket shifting. And when that happens, the world sort of uh, has a few ups and downs, a few breaks and uh, crevices (laughs) open up and so on. And then at a certain point in time, it settles. And I think we are today witnessing that churning phase. If you were to equate it to um, Indian mythology, then I would call it the the Sagar Manthan, the churning of the ocean, uh, which Mm -hmm. then led to the Navratnas or the nine priceless jewels and so on and so forth. So you pick the analogy you want. But in my mind, what we're seeing in world cricket today is these uh, forces colliding against each other. Uh, Different priorities, different interests, uh, different ways of expression. And if one right. were to try and break it down, and I don't consider myself an expert at all in all of this, uh, if you were to break it down, you have individual sportsman level interests. You have television, media, broadcast, which is commercial almost entirely. You then have different caliber of cricket boards and their priorities. You have the ICC, which is in a way at the center of all of this and yet has very little power to do anything. Uh, So it's sitting there in the middle sort of watching what's going on, uh, maybe wanting to do certain things, but certainly having no ability to do it, in my view. And all of this in a milieu where, you know, diversity, inclusion, uh, freedom of speech, right to choice of profession and work all of these sort of extra, extra cricket or non-cricket related social uh, factors are overlaying this entire metamorphosis that is going on. And therefore, as the world, as world of cricket morphs, uh, you will find these sort of peculiarities coming in. You will find uh, some people making choices. And as long as they're willing to live with the consequences, then I think every individual is allowed to make their own choice, be it a board, be it a individual sports person, or for that matter, uh, the game of cricket itself. It will find its equilibrium. It's too big and too powerful a sport to wither away. That I'm confident of.
1: Right. And and that new equilibrium that you talked about, um, you know, that was beautifully put. And I guess it may not be an equilibrium that we're used to, but... Um, they'll they'll find a way to sustain the sport. I, it's just like, you know, last summer, the 100 started in England, and I have no idea where that's going to go. But um, there were a lot of people who were like, oh, this is rubbish, this is not cricket. But, uh, you know, for all we know, that might be the future of cricket. You know, 20 years down the line, that, that might be the only format that's sustainable. And um, that's sort of, you know, cricket finding its own equilibrium. So it's just hard to say where it ends up.
2: Yeah, you're right. Uh, That being said, I mean, I don't know if I'll be around 20 years from now, but the fact of the matter is I cannot imagine a world of cricket where test match cricket, in whatever form it is, doesn't exist. Because if test match cricket withers away, uh, you are probably then going to go into an era where it is very vulnerable uh, short-sighted uh, legends will no longer be created
1: right
2: it won't happen you won't have a, a don bradman-esque a tindulka-esque of a vivian richards-esque or barry richards-esque uh, character being created yes you'll get some slam bam wham type of guy you might get a freakish bowler who does very well but look at what is currently on uh, on record or historically uh, the Malingas of the world, the Andre Russells of the world, the Chris Gales of the world, right? Uh, the, the Shikhar Dhavans, the Virat Kohli's, uh, the, the Kane Williamsons, and the, and the mm-hmm. Trent Bolts have all earned their stripes and made their real name wearing white clothing. Right. And then have gone on to dominate. Now there's a whole new breed, right? Uh, the Stubbses of the world and the and they, you know, all the youngsters coming through the Phil salts of the world and the Tewatias and so on and so forth. These guys are products of, a, of this sort of fast paced, short format cricket. Uh, and yet, if you look at countries like India, to a lesser extent, England, and maybe a little bit of Australia, a lot of these youngsters have actually come through great cricket, come through first class cricket. And that's right. why they're able to adapt. So I think the fundamentals of having a cricketing infrastructure, the fundamentals of grooming cricketers through uh, for the established cricket-paying nations is not going to change, in my opinion. Yes, from a popularizing the sport, from spreading cricket around the world, and to bring more people in, I think it's definitely the right way because you are going to have to find the, the shorter, more attractive formats to bring people who don't know cricket into the family, so so to speak. And I personally believe that what will emerge, Mayank, is some kind of an equilibrium, which at one level might be akin to football. uh, But at the same time, you will probably start seeing that the newer emerging nations, associate countries, they will continue to play a lot more short-form cricket. Players and talent from there will start forming itself into... Uh, some kind of clubs or entities or franchises, or mm-hmm. they will become parts of uh, established franchises to be able to play, they will start rubbing shoulders with the more established names, if you will. Those skills will percolate back and that will build this this new edifice of cricket. At least that is my honest hope.
1: Right. And, and since you say that, do you think the idea of um, a franchise-based test league Um, How does that sound to you? I don't
2: know what a franchise-based test league really means. I know it's been bandied about a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. How do you replace a national flag and the pride for playing for a nation or for a region like the West Indies have for so many decades? How do you replace that with a franchise name? I mean, can it be Northern Superchargers and they represent England? I'm not sure. You... I'm not sure that franchise investors are necessarily the people who want to do a four day or five day test, test series, or test match. They want instant coffee. They don't want to take the trouble right. of, you know, grinding it and then brewing it and smelling it and, and having it. Right. So I'm not sure that a franchise based test cricket situation, uh, is anywhere in the anvil, At least I hope not in my lifetime. Um, because it, I don't think works. <clears throat> now, if somebody says, okay, a rest of the world or a associate country's test team to be able mm-hmm. to allow those who don't have enough depth and width in their game to be able to put together a test team, to come together one or two such teams, and they then become part of the test calendar. Okay. I, I'm sort of open to the idea. Because I think what that does is it gives people exposure to a different format. So you could have associate A and B uh, or one and two, not necessarily graded, but put together on a continental basis. For example, you could have an America's team. You could have an Africa's team outside the top nations. And they become part of the World Test Championship cycle. And and then that goes on. That's possible. But franchise-based classic Test Match cricket to replace the flag on the chest Not anytime
1: soon. (laughs) Um, I'm also curious, um, with all the cricket that's happening, isn't it inevitable that the quality of cricket is going to suffer? Because just imagine all, you know, obviously we're producing phenomenal players, no no doubt in that. But um, just with the amount of cricket they're playing, they have to prioritize, you know, um, how much cricket they play. Boards are sometimes sending second-elevens to, you know, like India did that with Sri Lanka. Um, I think England had to do it for a mixture of reasons, including COVID against Pakistan. Um, but, and, and while, you know, the su- cricket wasn't substantially low, but uh, do you think if it keeps happening over time, there's a chance that the quality of cricket might suffer?
2: Well, underlying that question, Mayank, I think, is the assumption that if you pick 14 or 15 for a country, the next 14, 15 or twenty are not good enough, and I don't even think that that is true in most cases. Certainly in countries like India, uh, arguably in in Pakistan, Australia, to a lesser extent mm-hmm. maybe England. I don't think that's true. I think you have, you may not have, uh, you know, uh, a Virat Kohli or a Sachin Tendulkar or a, or a Joe Root equivalent waiting to replace. Yeah. Him. But someone who's 70, 80, 90% of those guys is, is definitely in the system. So, first of all, I don't know if quality of cricket will suffer. In fact, I think as opportunities open up more, quality of cricket will actually improve. For the simple reason that more and more people will strive for getting included, if not in the national team, then in the, in the let's say, the B team, if you want to call it that, for the country or get picked in in multiple franchises and so on and so forth. So there'll be greater competition and laws of economics tell us that when there's greater competition, product improves, service improves. And the same thing will happen with with cricket and cricketers. I mean, if you look at the quality of fielding, there is no doubt in my mind that the 50-over format in the days gone by and the 20-over format have aided the quality of fielding immensely. Uh, Both these formats, I think, have played a very important role in more decisions coming through in test matches. Test match is finishing in four days if there are no rain interruptions. Uh, Aggressive batting scores averaging three, four, four and a half even uh, in a day's test match, which never used to be the case. So I think there are positives to be looked at. I just urge people who don't understand enough about the game to stop, uh, if I may use the word, uh, moaning and bitching about the money that sports people are earning. Look, a sports person's life is very, very short one you know serious injury can derail the whole life of a player so if he or she is going out there and maximizing his or her earning potential i don't think anybody has the right to judge that we don't judge that for for large corporate honchos why should we judge that for uh, for for sports people who are only plying a trade and at, at the at the very non-emotional level they are just hawking their skills and and good luck to them
1: that's, that's very well put. I, I feel like that always happens. I have heard that complaint from, you know, fans of all countries that, you know, the country should be put uh, in ahead of anything else. But as you said, you know, we as non non-athletes have careers which last 40 years, sometimes even more. And, we have a lot more opportunity to course correct if you know, we, yeah. we go down the wrong path. Yeah, if I, if and... I may
2: just interject, my mm-hmm. sorry. Uh, Kapil Dev said something many years ago, really, really beautiful. He said, look, if you want playing for the country and test match cricket to be the epitome, then you can make that choice. But the reward and recognition that has to come has to be in the currency that the modern-day player values. And if that is dollars, rupees, cents, pesos, whatever it is, euros, then that's what it's got to be. So you've got to then be able to reward a Cheteshwar Pujara for playing only test cricket, equal to or greater than somebody who is playing predominantly short-format cricket. If you can do that then you have a right. It's like Singapore. Years ago, when Lee Kuan Yew decided what his government and civil servants were going to be like, he said we must hire the absolute best from the private sector, pay them more than the private sector, so we as the government of Singapore become an employer of choice. And I'm happy to compete with the Coca-Cola and the Microsofts and whichever corporations of the world to get the best talent. Put your money where your mouth is and then demand that.
1: That's that's very well put because at the end of the day, the economics really helps solve these things. Um, you know, you you can try to promote and talk up Test cricket as much as you like, but if you're not paying your players well, which is you know true for a lot of these countries, then rightly they won't be motivated. And I I feel like Quinton de Kock is one of those cases where he quit. Test cricket, just because I guess one pay was probably one issue, but in general, his his equation with the board wasn't great, and the combination of those factors led to him saying, "Well, I'm I'm good playing just limited overs cricket." So um, it, it definitely uh, is a huge um, motivation for these players, and and rightly so. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Um, as we were saying, they have a you know most athletes have a ten year career as compared to forty years for others. Um, and they have to find ways to support themselves based on those 10 years. So them making a financial choice is uh, totally understandable. Completely. Um, I'm also curious on your thoughts on ODI cricket. Um, I, for one, used to love watching ODIs, especially in the stadiums. Um, Back in the day, one of the things that I enjoyed the most about ODIs, and I, I watched some of the 2019 World Cup as well, um, was the fact that since you're there for eight hours, you end up making friends and it just becomes an environment where you're talking to each other, supporting your, you know, each other's teams or whoever uh, your favorite players are. And it's obviously been becoming less and less popular. Um, test cricket, uh, whether it's a combination of the quality of players, whether it's pitches being more conducive in the last few years, has become very interesting and luckily has not, you know, the interest in that has not wavered too much. But um, what are your thoughts about the future of the ODI format, which even though they tried the Super League, um, you know, it hasn't been able to catch up as much. And we've even heard players such as Moyn Ali and, and Arashman say that, you know, the future of ODIs is a little uncertain.
2: Well, I think there is merit in what... Uh people like Moeen or uh, Ash have said, the the fact of the matter, Mayank, is in life uh, you only value something when either you lose it or you are able to taste something which is different. So as the shorter format of the game has progressed uh, and the excitement around it, the ability to attract uh, a newer audience if you will has grown i think there has been there is the inevitable comparison right uh, the middle overs in in odi cricket are the ones which are boring that's what right. one of the most common criticisms of test of yep. odi cricket is. and and that is true boring but in comparison to what uh, boring in comparison to the shorter format the white 20 over format or whatever the 100 format or whatever it is. Uh, but not necessarily boring in comparison to the old test match format. The new test Mm -hmm. match format, and I mean by format, I mean the way players are playing, what you talked about, the aggressiveness, the action, the the pace at which the game is moving, etc. That is uh, in some ways akin because there isn't a premium on taking wickets in those middle overs, somehow. There is a premium on containment. And it's almost like you play that game in a first 10-over span, the final 10-over span, and the middle is really where you say, okay, these, these, you know, these three courses are necessary to get the degree, but it's really the first mm-hmm. ten and the last 10 which make the game. Right? Um, it's the way some people approach it. I think it is a question of deciding where and how you want to play that game. If you look at it again from a global perspective for cricket to evolve, on the assumption that test match cricket is the ultimate. That's an underlying assumption for me. If that changes, Mm -hmm. everything changes. But if that is the assumption, then it's a very logical progression from a 20-over game to a 50-over game. It needs a different mindset for a batter. It needs a different mindset for a bowler. You progress. How do you move? You take the case of Afghanistan, right? They sort of got thrown into the deep end in Test match cricket, having played 2020, not too much ODI. And you saw what right. happened. They can't compete because the, the entire mindset is on a quick finish uh, in 20 mm-hmm. or 40 minutes, depending on how you look at it. So, I think there is a place for ODI cricket. I think what the Mohins and the Ashwins of the world are talking about, or Joss has talked about, Butler, is just the amount of the sheer amount of cricket and what it does to a a player's or an athlete's body, man or woman. How much cricket can you really play? How much cricket can be followed? How much cricket can be broadcast? I mean, if you look at something like one of these uh, platforms like FanCode, right? Uh, I'm not a great fan, but when I just, the other day happened, I think it was because I couldn't watch the Fort Lauderdale game anywhere else or something like that. Mm-hmm. I uh, subscribed and I looked at it. My goodness me, from something like a domestic T20 league in Pondicherry in, on the coast of India to India playing West Indies in, in the US and everything in between, they had, whew, I mean, I think people will become television or media zombies if they have to follow all of the stuff that's going on. And this is from a spectator point of view, where you're not sweating, you're not feeling a muscle, you're not exerting. (laughs) Even that you can't do. So how can players participate? I think Butler put it beautifully when he said, we're not cars that you keep stuffing fuel in them and they'll keep running. Even those need to go down for maintenance. So I think the issue really is about a mix of how much, what kind, and how often is the same body going to be put through uh, the, the amount of cricket that's being played? And yet, you have countries and teams which don't have enough cricket. So right. that's there too. Women don't get to play enough cricket. Let's be honest.
1: And and same as with you know all these associate nations you know outside of the top eight, which uh, definitely don't get enough cricket. Um, So I guess what what would your suggestion be with regards to ODI cricket? Is there maybe a need to shift focus in a way that, you know, we sort of balance and have associates play more? And then obviously we'll have, um, you know, the World Cups every four years, which will still be uh, a key event. And that way all teams get involved.
2: But you see, Mank, if you're going to have a World Cup, then you've got to continue playing the format. It Can't be limited only to associates. I mean, mm-hmm. imagine having the FIFA World Cup and saying uh, no one's going to play football for 90 minutes anymore. How would you do that? Right there, the, the format there, and Ravi Shastri has talked about this quite a lot. So, if T20 is the true global version of it, and so it's your you know box wine for lack of a better description,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right and your absolute vintage is Test Match Cricket. Then there is something in the middle. Either you discard it totally and you say, it's done, we're finished, we're over. We're going to play it only at the under-19 level. We're only going to play it at the 25-year and below level as a as a sort of Step precursor up. Yeah. to playing the four-day game or Test Match Cricket. And you classify it that way. And you can, by all means, have a World Cup of under-19, under-25, whatever you want to do. Uh, to keep that format alive and in that mm-hmm. you can bring in a sort of a a team that's made up of associate countries picked by the icc or by a panel which allows those sports people to come out men and women both to come out in their own formats and actually improve and take a step forward in the evolution of cricket and then the so-called seniors if you will uh, are actually playing the the t20 format and Test match cricket and t20 i think is sooner or later going to be the first that's going to go all franchise i feel that national bilateral t20 has very very little meaning now i honestly feel that i mean there is because there's a world cup it's the same logic for that bilateral piece to continue you remember back in the day australia i think were the leaders in this when they used to have the, I think it used to be the Benson and Ages to begin with, and then the uh, some bank, uh, the Commonwealth Bank or something. CB, CB, CBs, yep. tri, tri-nation ODI series. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. And what was the purpose of that? It was, the purpose often was to be able to bring in a third country which may not be at the at the top uh, in those days. So you could have a right. Sri Lanka, you could have a Bangladesh, no disrespect to those nations, but relative mm-hmm. standard. And then you'd have an England or an India or or a New Zealand, and make up that tri-nation, which would just give a, a different uh, exposure. right? Yeah. Um, so I think these things will have to evolve. But at the center of all of it, you need a solid, central governing body. We can con- say what we want about FIFA. I, all the issues around it, I'm not going to go into them. But the fact that FIFA does have a very, very significant control over how the game of football is played, is very important. I don't know if the ICC does. And I don't know what the answer to it is. The answer really lies in India, Australia and England, uh, putting their heads together and thinking a little bit beyond their own uh, personal, when I say personal, I mean board level or even national interest and looking beyond. I equate that in a very... It's a, it's a stretch, and I'm really pushing the envelope here, but it's a bit like climate change. Do we want to acknowledge that there is a future problem coming up for cricket? And if there is, then the big boys, India, Australia, England, have to, along with the, the middle boys and girls, take the rest of the 180 or whatever number of associate nations and create a formula and find a way... To keep the game growing healthy and and keep it moving everywhere in the world, otherwise, it will no longer be what we know it to be.
1: Yeah, that's that's beautifully put, and I I like to use a similar example, but with politics, where you know politicians because they are set up in a way that they have an election every four years, five years, they always think short term, so they don't try to do something which might have a long term effect if it harms them in the short term, and it's it's kind of similar um mm-hmm. some of these powerful boards are kind of doing the same they're looking after themselves um rather than thinking more long term and saying well if we have something more steady for 20 years if we have the game growing for 20 years then we'll we'll have you know a study income for 20 years rather than what we do really well in five um
2: yeah to be, to be honest with you i don't think it's that the, it's just that the boards don't think i think they do i mm-hmm. think the problem comes when uh, Nationalist egos and agendas get in the way. Right? So, if I mean, let me be honest as an Indian, uh, while today India dominates the world of cricket on its economic muscle, let's not forget what Indian India and Indian players have gone through. Right,
1: right. let's
2: never forget that ever. And therefore, the fact of the matter is, yes, the forty thousand pound gorilla will dictate, but the fact of the matter is, and I don't for a minute think that India or India's cricket board is short-sighted i think the key is is everybody willing to pull along and at the end of the day there has to be a boss either the icc is the boss and we know the icc cannot be the boss if countries like india are not solidly behind it right Um, you've got to be able to accept i mean there was a time when rockefeller said jump and everybody jumped right so why not in some other format i'm not I'm not defending uh, dictatorial uh, conduct. But I'm just saying that if people genuinely sit down together, they can find a solution. Because I do believe almost all administrators in in cricket boards do have somewhere the the spirit in their heart uh, for the improvement and betterment of the game. And I feel women's cricket and innovation around it can actually show the way. Because it is still... Relatively nascent, and you can create formats and create ways which can then be mirrored in the men's game.
1: So you're thinking uh, just because it's not uh, essentially there's more scope for experimentation, I guess, is is the way you're Definitely. thinking. Definitely,
2: and, and I think the standards are closer too. I mean, I'm I'm sure you know that there are more women's teams at a national level associated with the ICC than men.
1: Right, and that's the beauty um, of. It absolutely and and so i i know you briefly mentioned this but um what what is your thought about the whole idea of franchise cricket becoming mainstream i know you mentioned you think t20 will be the format that you know probably ends up like that um recently we've seen that even young batter uh, uh devald brevis south african batter was playing in England for a Mumbai 11, Development 11, which I found very interesting. Um, I, I feel like with all the IPL teams who obviously have so, uh, very good muscle uh, from a uh, money perspective, they have bought teams in South Africa, they've bought teams in the UAE T20 League. Um, my thought is this is going to get commonplace where there'll be players, and maybe not Deval Brevis, but you know, young, talented players from various countries we are just going to go from one place to another as T20 freelancers. And again, nothing wrong with that. We've seen the Western players do that, as we discussed. Um, If they're prioritizing their finances or a certain format, that's a personal decision. Uh, But if that becomes such a commonplace thing where, you know, we go from one league to another, um, you know, we will almost end up in the football model where there's only a handful of internationals every, whatever, three months or, or so on. Um, do you see that happening in the next five to 10 years, maybe longer? It's not
2: impossible. It's not impossible. Uh, we've talked about that briefly uh, earlier as well. I think it is definitely a possibility. Um, and yet I don't know if that's necessarily bad because if the yeah. sort of multinational or national representation becomes a rarer occurrence, you're gonna get a much bigger audience i 'm um, not a huge football fan, so i don 't know what a lover of football living in Europe right necessarily does when there is a big la liga Bundesliga and Premier League game going on at the same time i don 't know what he or she does which one do they choose or how do they prioritize that 's what will happen that 's what will happen. But if there are players from different countries who are playing t20 specialist formats in many ways they may choose to therefore rule themselves out of the uh, five-day format and test match cricket, and they will then become the specialists for their country to play i don't know once in two years once in three years or once in a year whatever it may be for the t20 national side and continue to play franchise cricket for the rest of the rest of the year whereas some uh, either because of ability or opportunity Will necessarily play the other format. I think the the number of all format players will start getting smaller and smaller over time, if the phenomena of franchise cricket paying good money continues. I mean, in India, we don't see it, man, because the Indian board does not permit Indian players to go right. play elsewhere. You open that up. And you will start seeing the same thing. You will find Mr. X or Miss Y saying, I'm going to play only franchise cricket. I will not be available to play for the country. And that should not be grounds to castigate someone, is all I'm saying.
1: And and to be honest, we've seen Indian players retire for that very reason. Um, Yavrat Singh retired and then played in the Canadian T20 League. Um Chand did the same and then moved to the US. So... Um, the, the fact that the BCCI is not allowing them is, is still not stopping them. They've, you know, there are ways to do it. Obviously it's not the convenient way, which is why, um, that's happening. But, um, I guess one of the other, other things that comes to mind is, um, the whole, you know, you mentioned nationalism and and the way the teams work, some of the fans work, you know, um, that might completely change as well so that's another you know cultural piece of cricket which is going to be completely you know new in 20 years um and that's probably going to take some adjusting too because in my mind again i'm like you i'm not a big football fan so i've never understood how somebody sitting in delhi or mumbai or some city in india uh can be a diehard supporter of liverpool football club for that matter um but that's probably likely to change as well
2: it may well change. I mean, look, I find it very hard just talking about the IPL personally. I find it very hard. I don't know. I don't have a a IPL team. I don't.
1: Right.
2: It's not as if I support that team. I just can't. Um, I watch it occasionally for the for the cricket for the for the participants. Uh, it's like watching a film for the actors, not for the <laughs> the banner under which it's it's produced. And and that will change for sure. Um, and, and fans around the world will make that choice, uh, just as we've seen it happen in so many other endeavours, be it be it politics, be it sport, be it whatever. Which is why you see the the joy with which something like the Commonwealth Games uh, cricket tournament for women getting played. I mean, for for country like Australia, uh, women, they've won everything that there is to win, not once, but 10 times maybe. Right. But the joy that uh, Meg Lanning felt with that gold medal round her neck and the devastation that Harmanpreet and her girls felt for not having won, I think may well, if there was a specific measure, may well have been higher than the loss to, to England in that uh, World Cup final at Lawrence. Because somewhere, uh, there is something unique about winning something uh, of that nature. Now, both were national representations. But there's something about the Olympics. There's something about the Commonwealth Games. Similarly, there's something about Test Match Cricket. These are these are wonderful, uh, you know, traditions and wonderful uh, legacies that that different eras will value uh, differently. I mean, take your I take you back to Kerry Packer. I don't even know if you were around at the time. I don't know how old you are, and I don't want to ask you that. But when <laughs> Kerry Packer uh, people had written off and people had said, OK, it's all going to be Kerry Packer-esque now. Right? Yeah. And what did it take? It took a Tiger Potardi, a Sunil Gavaskar, um, a Faroq Engineer to say, we will not participate. And India was not a cricketing powerhouse economically at the time. Australia was the worst hit. And Bobby Simpson came out of retirement to captain a side which was not second string, was probably third string. Right. And people like Kim Hughes, Kim Hughes became the captain. And they struggled for a year, two years, till a balance and an equilibrium could be drawn between the interests of Channel 9 and Kerry Packer, which as later times showed us was essentially to say it was a television rights matter. It wasn't so much anything else. But he's the one who revolutionized cricket. He's Absolutely. the one who brought colored um, clothing. He's the one who brought in all of these, these things that today are de rigueur.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, on your note about, you know, the Commonwealth Games, I'm curious what you think about cricket in the Olympics because that's been uh, an idea that a lot of people have mentioned for almost a decade. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, from you know, my, an exposure I, perspective, it's probably great, but...
2: I suspect so, but but look at how... I don't know how they selected the, the women's teams to play in the Commonwealth Games. I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Olympics the Olympic movement is all about participation. And therefore, then if, and again, no disrespect meant to any nation, if uh, Burkina Faso, I don't even know if they have a team, but if they said that they want to play, yes, there'll be some qualification criteria like you have for for every discipline. But how big will that tournament then be potentially? How long will it take? Can you actually fit it into an Olympic schedule? That's point number one. Point number two, Davis Cup versus ATP. How many of the top players will really be able, given that everything else is going on, be able to play for their country in a format like that if you've got a a major series going on? So how does the ICC and the Olympic Association come together and do that? So there are lots of other issues. and, And off late, I'm realizing that disciplines getting added and removed is becoming a bit of a joke. I mean, for the longest time, I have never seen... In multinational games like the commonwealth or the olympics or the asian games not have shooting for example right mm-hmm. now this time commonwealth games didn't have shooting i have no idea why right um there was taekwondo introduced in some asian games in in uh, indonesia i think it was and then after that there's been nothing now i know there are experimental games which are tried from time to time and i'm okay with that but mainstream games being added or removed uh, is is making it a little bit of a joke because for those athletes who build their entire lives on the dream of an Olympic medal, I mean, I am certain that if you ask Leander Pez, that Olympic silver probably is as big, if not bigger, than any of his doubles grand slams. It is a different feeling. And so I'd love to see cricket in the Olympics. But I don't know if it can actually happen.
1: I, 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 it would be adding more to an already really packed calendar, as we were saying. And that's where, to to your point, you know, the ICC, the fact that we need to have a future tours program, uh, that and a really solid one where, you know, England can just walk away from Pakistan and say, hey, we're going to skip this series because, you know, we don't want to. That that needs to stop because otherwise that's probably going to happen in the Olympics as well when the when the you know money isn't important enough for one of the boats. I guess the other question that I um, have in mind is from a perspective of all these franchises. Obviously, the, these franchises which are coming up right now—it's T twenty, maybe a few hundred franchises. Um, there, somebody on on Twitter, I I read a thread which said these franchises actually owe County Cricket. They owe Ranji Cricket, Ranji Trophy. And um, just because that is how the foundation of all these players was formed, you touched upon that a little bit earlier as well. Uh, But what are your thoughts about that? If we have some sort of a system where that domestic leagues are getting supported, whether it's financially, also in terms of partnerships for player development, Um, maybe that might be a viable way of sustaining, you know, multiple formats, having a wide range of, you know, cricketers who play across formats or, you know, they could be specialists as well, but just having that sort of communication and support system, um, that could be critical going forward.
2: Well, in a way that happens already. I mean, if you look at boards like the BCCI, which is maybe not such a great example, only because it has such disproportionate uh, wealth to be able to, distribute around the country but uh, I'm certain the ECP gives money to all its uh, county championship uh, counties rather Uh, the Australian Cricket Board CA does that for its uh, first class cricket infrastructure as well now I think if I got your question right your question is can there be a pool of money from within the IPL uh, because it is drawing on a talent that is uh, developed shall we say or honed in, in state uh, or, or districts right. or whatever. I'll ask you a counter question. Uh, does Coca-Cola pay Harvard Business School for putting totally out not. right right candidates? Hmm. Certainly not. Uh, if they decide to do something, they do it because it's good for their brand in that school and they associate, but they don't pay you because you put out a great doctor. Does Does Johns Hopkins pay... Uh, medical colleges, uh, I don't think they do, uh, does and so on and so forth. I mean, you can stretch that analogy wherever you want. So at a certain point in time, uh, you can't always bring everything back to the top end of the pyramid or a particular end of a of a thread and say because you are using resources that grew up somewhere else or were honed or improved or made marketable, you need to pay a uh, pay a sort of I don't know commissioned in a, in a good sense of the word yeah. uh, to whoever honed that talent. I mean, by that logic, uh, some coaches in world cricket should have been the wealthiest people in the world, but they're not.
1: Interestingly put. Um, well, Prakash, that's all uh, the, the thoughts that I had. I'm, I'm sure we'll find more questions and more thoughts to bring you back on. But uh, Anytime, really man. fun ch- chatting with you. Want to,
2: you know, I just want to tell you and Benjamin and your other two co-hosts, uh, as and when, that for me, uh, as someone who maybe made a choice way way back of uh, opting for a for a corporate career uh, and using cricket as the, the food for my soul, as I say, um, it is very heartening to see that there are you know young people uh, around the world who are adding a new dimension to their passion of just watching. Um, cricket by actually getting people to talk about it have debates have discussions and because all of you have a role to play in society i think you are making uh, the the society of cricket if not beyond uh, a much better place so more power to all of you and and good luck and god willing we will run into each other somewhere on on a cricket field somewhere in the world in the not too distant future so stay well and thank you very much for for having me
1: Thank you so much. Really, really humbled by by your kind words.
0: Pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Last Wicked. This podcast is a Cricket Guys production featuring your hosts Benny, Mayank, Nish and Himanish. For more details, please visit thelastwicked.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, do let a friend know, rate and subscribe on your platform of choice. Follow us on your social media feeds and leave us a voice message if you would like to share your thoughts with us. Thank you again for listening and from all of us here at The Last Wicked, stay safe and stay healthy.